0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Chris Bennett, and I help connect businesses with tech freelancers, and I'm your host. So uh, it is recording. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening again. um, We're going to be discussing how we get more efficient independent teams. We're going to be looking at uh, some of the multiplier effects. And today we've got uh, four people who are based in Copenhagen. So let's go through some introductions. Adrian, I'm coming to you first.
1: Hello. Hello everyone. Uh, Thanks for having me in the podcast. So I'm Spanish as my accent already says, like it doesn't lie, definitely. I have been here in Copenhagen for a bit less than half a year since May. Uh, following basically following my heart. My girlfriend is Danish. Um, I'm working at Samap as engineering level, uh, as engineering manager. Um, at Samap, we do have quite a lot of like autonomous teams, uh, kind of a self-organizing organization and and teams. So we are organized with the typical squads, tribes, uh, chapters, and so on. So um, right now, I'm taking care of um, of an squad. That is growing, so eventually, probably, we will split it and so on. But these are the kind of things that we um, we discuss as the as the organisation evolves. Um, And like a part of uh, getting to love the Danish autumn, that's a joke. Is raining a lot today. uh, Something that I have also spent a lot of time lately is uh, on triathlon. Something I have uh, also used to get to know some people, make some friends, and everything. I'm I'm still recovering from my first Ironman, but still the pride is there. So like recovering the body, but the, the achievement still remains with me. So that's uh, yeah, that still makes me glow. That
0: would be the reason why Adrian is sat down right now. Yeah, because right. he can't stand up. Um, fantastic. Thanks, Adrian, for that. Um, let's go to Ollie. Uh,
2: yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I am Ollie, as Chris has, has mentioned. Um, so my Shortly about my background. Um, so my career started in Denmark, and then it was a little bit in Sweden, a little bit more in Denmark. So now, now I'm back. Uh, so it was it's engineering, engineering, and a little bit more of engineer manager. So right now I'm uh, in Denmark. I take position as engineer manager in Microsoft. Um, overall, I had the pleasure of working with very different teams. Uh, with the bigger companies, with the smaller companies. Well, obviously now it's pretty much as big as it gets, uh, which is also very different. So, yeah, hopefully I'm bringing that perspective into, into the group. And uh, to stay sane in all of this, I also do triathlon. I also do sports. That seems to be necessary, even in the rainy weather.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Ollie. Yeah, you're really putting the last two under pressure when you're both saying you do triathlons. Oh, definitely me under pressure. Um, Next, we've got Harry. Yes, hi. My name is Harry. Thanks for having me here. Um,
3: I uh, I have actually I'm Finnish and I grew up in Sweden. And uh, then I went to Finland to finish my studies there and uh, started to work there uh, as a test engineer. And uh, I moved to Denmark approximately, I think it was 2006, um, to work uh, in Denmark. And uh, I live in Sweden. So I also worked in Sweden for a few years now, and now I'm back in Denmark. So it's uh, back and forth all all around Scandinavia. Um, I'm VP of engineering in uh, Liba Healthcare, uh, which is a a company that uh, we provide uh, digital health coach for for uh, people who has the need for that. Uh, could be diabetes or obesity and things like that. Um, I do not do any triathlon or Ironman. So, uh, so uh, there I'm, I'm a bit behind the other two there, but I try to do some running every now and then. I enjoy listening to music and uh, I have a family, two kids, uh, one boy, one girl, nine years old, both, they're twins. And uh, obviously I have a wife as well, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's me.
0: That's a different version of triathlon. Yeah. It sounds actually a bit harder. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. Okay. Juan. Yeah. Introduce yourself, please.
4: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, So thank you for, for having me as well here in the podcast. Um, I'm the second Spanish of today. uh, So you'll also hear my accent. Although many people think that I have a Danish accent because I practiced my English a lot when I got to Denmark eight years ago. And I used to work with a lot of Danes and my wife kept telling me that every time I speak in English, they have a Danish accent that sounds something funny for a Spanish person. So I moved to Denmark in 2013 uh, and my background has been quite different. So I've been working in academia on research. I did my PhD in Barcelona. And then when I moved to Denmark, because of love as well, but basically my wife is also Spanish, uh, we moved here and I decided to stop the research and academia and uh, join company. So I've been doing engineering and, and engineering management uh, since then. And uh, today I work at Cleo as an engineering manager and I'm taking care of three different teams. So it's actually slightly different. So it's a. Uh, I used to take care of one team and now I'm taking care of three, but it's the same process. So Playo is a company that's growing a lot right now. So we are like 80 engineers currently hoping to get by like double the size in next year. So there's a lot of challenges on how we grow and how we scale up and how we keep the culture we've been keeping until now with growing such companies.
0: Any triathlons?
4: I haven't done trial runs I have two kids that basically are making yeah. me run every day yeah <laughs> so yeah 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 every day. And yeah so heavy lifting so hey, let's go and all these kind of things but no trial on I used to
0: run a lot but yeah you see yeah having kids <laughs> fantastic some very nice introductions there thank you all for that um so let's move on to the topic today so we're looking at Creating more efficient, independent teams, and we've got a few things to discuss around that. Um, So usual format, everyone's been asked to bring a question or a statement. We'll go to that person, I'll say the question, and then we'll talk about it as a group, yeah? So the first question that Adrian um, wanted wanted to discuss was how do we create a sense of ownership on teams? What do we even mean by ownership? So Adrian, talk us through what you meant by the question, what are your thoughts around this, and then we'll go to the rest of the panel. Definitely. So
1: when I think on independent and efficient, efficient and effective teams, um, the first thing that comes to my mind is a clear sense of ownership, because in my experience, when the ownership is blurred and it's shared across teams, etc., then you start to get so many roadblocks. Uh, who's responsible for this? Is it your fault? Is it mine? Who's going to improve it? Let's say when something is shared, it's, and needs it's nobody else, uh, nobody in particular responsibility, it's not going to get properly handled and improved, evolved, etc. So that's why for me, when we're talking about effectivity, effectiveness and, um, and independent teams, ownership is a big topic because we need to make sure that every domain in our organization has a clear owner. And and then evolving a little bit uh, more, uh, that's also something that we are experiencing at SumUp. How do you create the sense of ownership on something that used to be shared? Just creating a team and assigning it uh, to a project or to a, a scope, a domain, it's not going to cut it. You need to make people really feel empowered
0: okay so um let's let's explore this there's quite a few areas there so Ollie I'm going to come to you first
2: yeah I I think I think we like as engineers or as engineering organization we need to look at it it's not just the the people thing it's it's actually it actually starts with technology or like is the is the team capable of taking ownership from start to the end and I don't mean to like oh I'm gonna have this one service and then you know, I'm just going to code and someone else is going to test it somewhere. And then someone else is going to do the, the support tickets. Like no from start and start starts from creating an idea. And not someone coming up with ideas. So the, the problem is coming to the team in the problem context. As in, um, this button never gets pressed. How, how do we, how do we solve it? How to go about it? You give that to the team. They have, they have all the tools to, to solve that. Bring that to the market and then come back to see if that actually worked. And when they have all the tools they don't have, as, as Adrian you were saying, dependency on this team and the other team, then they can actually solve that problem within within their one group. It, and you know all the handovers and questions and emails that that always to the other teams. That's that's just wasted time when you are sitting waiting for some other team to complete something. Mm. So. From the technical perspective they need to be able to take ownership and you know doing things like deployments the ci cd testing everything is within within their team and then this kind of uh, cycle back and then the other part i think is really important as well and and sometimes it's a little bit harder to uh, to establish that because that does not really depend just on us but uh to have ownership from business perspective that we are owning a product of some sort it's not little piece and then we're giving it to someone and we don't know what they do with it like that's not ownership then you're just repeating what what someone else has to do you don't really know why so from from that perspective it starts with with knowing very clearly like go to every person in your team and ask them do they know why they're here do you know what the what their product is doing do you know what what this project is about start from theirs you know start from the why and i'm not going to be the first one who says that sentence and uh, yeah, and go go with the what whatever is like. I you know we all work in different businesses in different way of of slicing the your your business that you have. But if the team can have, and you know we're we're not in a perfect world. We can't be completely independent. That kind of that kind of does not exist once you're past certain size of the of the company but as much as possible to keep within. And you know, this is also where things like microservices coming in to to build the structure, so we can technically enable the ownership and, you know, all of those kind of things. Um,
0: No, it's brilliant points. Some really practical points there as well. I like that, Oli. Harry, what are your thoughts around this?
3: Yeah, um, of course, it also depends. And uh, I think in my context right now, uh, Oli, you work in a, Huge company. Uh, I work in a bit smaller company, uh, so it's uh, I don't have that challenge of uh, of owning part of the solution. Uh, but for me, it means uh, in the current context uh, to take responsibility of the product, uh, as you also said, from start to finish. So uh, be be involved with creating the vision and and feel that uh, this is my product. Uh, almost like uh, raising a child it's my product and uh, and then get it out there to the to the customers and uh, also when the feedback comes in to uh, to take that directly and uh, and uh, just see it as their own thing that they do so uh, I think that it's a step from uh, not just being a delivery organization but to be in and creating the the vision and, and uh, mission for the product. I think that's very important there.
0: Perfect, Juan.
3: Yeah, I, w- I
4: was thinking that uh, I was going through. I mean, I joined Playo when we were like ten engineers, so I was doing a little bit of retrospective of how we actually get to the point that we are right now. And I was thinking is like when we when I joined Playo, everybody was owner of everything because we just we were a few engineers and. And I was thinking that kind of like the natural evolution and and the challenges that you were having on different stages. So in the beginning, we we're only one team, engineering team. That's it. So we have ownership of everything. We're doing deployments, we're doing releases, we're doing everything. Then we split into different teams with different like. Okay, so this is our be our our client is going to be this persona, and then you have a team that was taking another persona. Okay, how do we interact with each other? Then we got more teams that, okay, we have more personas, so we have like a different, more teams. And one of the things, one of the key things I think that makes a success was uh, what Adrian uh, mentioned in the beginning. And Some people think that it's a buzzword, but I think it's quite critical, which is the empowerment, the feeling that you can do things without having to ask somebody to, to, to do that. Uh, for example, teams of Clio, they have a responsibility, which is actually to drive this area of the product. And what they get from management, from top management, is just guidance and trust, but also accountability. Because, and I think that the last one is is one of the key parts, because you can feel, you can have the ownership of one particular part, but the moment that you don't feel accountable for that, then you can just go home and if it's not working it's not working so that thing that's uh, one of the key parts so it's the the accountability and how we makes teams that they are accountable for what they're shaping then the ownership uh, kind of comes almost for free because the moment you're accountable you need to feel ownership and and also one of the key things i always look for genius kind of proudness and this craftsmanship that they need to feel like they are building something they are proud of it and they can go to sleep without having to worry about what they have deployed today.
0: No one call, then. <laughs> <laughs> Um Adrian, well, coming back to you, kind of what your thoughts and what's been said. I think,
1: I mean, we are all rounding around something that is um, to have an independent thing. We, you need to assign them a problem, not an output. You cannot expect to have a really independent team if you just tell them, go and deliver, implement me this API and this technology and that's it. No, you need to give them something that is a bit bigger in ambition, in scope. It needs to be a business problem because otherwise you're going to have just a group of yes-minded people or executors that are not going to think. So for them to really be independent, you need to exercise uh, delegation and really give them like, I would like to achieve this and it's your area is your decision go and find how you do it find the right team find the right technologies the right processes uh, etc so i think that's something that kind of resonates that independent and effective teams need to have a purpose a why and and they will explore the how and what
2: yeah i actually have done that in my previous team when you're talking in, in sweden when you're talking about giving them a problem so we actually experimented like that that we didn't have just engineers actually, we had, uh, it was like a bank kind of solution. So we had engineers, product owners, credit, marketing, support. We had all of these people and we were given one problem and like, go do whatever you want and the problem is in outcome, not execute on one, two, three, five. And that was, that was like, I didn't, I didn't really aim for it, but some of the outcomes of that, some of the kind of the, the learnings that we had was that people became so engaged it was like i knew that that's gonna happen but it was incredible how much people started getting engaged and like oh but did this really make a difference oh how how did it how did it not work i I really was sure this is gonna work and like some of the things that people learned enormous amount we had uh we had we had a like a survey at the same time like it was nine out of 10 that people were learning so much new things. They were, they were really exploring outside of just doing engineering and really taking the whole ownership of solving the problem for the user, for the business, I think, I think to be honest, I haven't seen really that same engagement in any other setting because it was, it was just so broad and you were not, you're not, you were not dependent on someone else's decisions. You're like, we can decide anything. If you could do anything what would you do how would you solve it and and the group of enormously smart people that that was just that was just brilliant i i love that time in my career And,
1: and kind of also with what you were saying juan it's also when companies are growing when we get to scale up corporate level whatever we still want the same feeling that you have when you're a startup That you're like i'm in charge i can make a difference i can make changes and i'm growing as much as i'm growing with the company because that productivity that effectivity that's what led you to success yeah and i I think that's our challenge as managers to make people feel that they can make a difference if they dare (laughs) to make it
0: How, how how often um scale-up is just as much of a buzzword as anything in, in tech. Um, how often do we have to revisit this why? How often do we have to revisit the giving people a problem? So thinking of plenty of engineering managers probably listening today, yeah, I probably agree with you, but they're thinking, right, what's my next step? Has anyone got any advice for them?
4: I think it would really depend on, on the teams and how the teams are structured. I think that what Oli said is really important that so, for example, teams, you can have engineering teams, but when you have customer facing engineering teams, meaning that they got assigned a problem, it's really important that they have somebody that really understands the problem from the product point of view. Here it comes like the, the, the figure of the product managers or the product owners, and those are responsible to some extent to, to engage with the engineers. So to present this problem to the engineers, and then the engineers get feel like feel like, okay, we need to solve this problem. And they're not only engaged in, in, in the technology and okay, give me the specs and I will implement it. They also feel like they're part of the product making. So the, the product manager responsibilities, I will feel like it's quite important. Uh, so yeah, this role is quite important for that particular purpose. So, so to engage in, you know, to make them feel part of building this part of, of the product.
2: Okay. Yeah, and to your, to your question about how, how often should should teams revisit it um, well you can do some you can do some I think in some of the previous teams I've done like health checks about uh, how much dependency do you have on other teams you have you have sort of signals when you need to do that like if the team can't complete their task if they're uh, as simple as asking them do you know what you're doing here do, is the answer yes to that do they have an answer Is it the same as your answer? Yep. because that can be and there are a lot of like those kind of checks that you can do with both the team the, the product does so so the product managers and 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 the the business people do they how much are they involved are they are they somewhere else um I, and like for example what kind of specs do you give do you give actually document or you know acceptance criteria to the team or are you working with them why is it not possible mm-hmm. and and then one big question is Does that structure fit your future where you're going? Um, But yeah, there there are a lot of health checks, I think, that are called in Agile world that you can do in the team and and then figure, can they deliver on their own? Can they complete everything in their own? Do they have full ownership? And, you know, be honest there, also trust. I think the, the trust is a big part here. The management needs to trust and the team needs to trust each other. They are like they need to be able to to experiment and fail and move on and do the new thing but then then but then keep learning and, and keep growing and you need the management who will trust that the team is gonna reach and that they're gonna solve this problem
4: yeah and I think you you nailed it because there are some managers that um, they don't really see the, the problem uh, when for example when you have dependencies with other teams and there's like well that is how it is you need to align mm-hmm. well let me let me challenge that because if you want to really have effectiveness, if you need to put two or three teams to agree in a roadmap for a quarter, then you start having an issue because yeah. none of the teams will be able to deliver what they want to deliver for that particular quarter because it could be that one has availability in the beginning another one has availability in the end and then you feel that this is impossible.
1: You're doing yeah. an agile waterfall, like basically yeah, exactly. agile <laughs> exactly. in a
4: cycle cycle. just creating waterfall.
1: Then it's, so, a, it's a giant punch
4: out. Exactly. Yeah. And I think what, what Oli said, that the moment that one of these health checks, meaning one of them, and I think is one of the big important ones, dependency. When you really depend on other teams to deliver, that is the point that you have to revisit what's the goal of that team.
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect. I'm going to stop you there on this conversation. I'm sure we'll repeat <laughs> some of our uh, discussion there, but we're going to move on to the next question. So, this was from Ollie. So, this is uh, around the multiplier effect. Yeah. How do we think it can be enabled? Has anyone experienced it? Has anyone experienced the failures of it? Um, More of a discussion point. So, I suppose coming to you, Ollie, first, have have you gone through this and talk us through why you asked this question?
2: Um, Yeah, I think. It's, so we work with very different people in very different environments. And I guess all of you met different kinds of people. Um, so I'm very interested when, when we think that it doesn't work, what, what can we do, or how do we, how do we enable it? Because with, with some people it's a little bit easier with some people it's, it's harder what, because, because it's not only about us, it's also about having those kind of individuals in the teams. Um, And then at some point I was thinking on the larger scale. What about like working between the teams? So so if if uh, like, is it is it contagious kind of thing or or not? So that's that's sort of where I was thinking about.
0: Perfect. Um, I'm going to come to Juan because he's nodding. And if you're listening, you can't (laughs) see him. Yeah, that's a good signal for a podcast host
4: yeah'm I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, so before becoming an engineering manager at playo I was engineering lead which is like taking care of one lead and I did to some extent experience that multiplier effect so I, in the beginning I was struggling a lot uh, I was working on a team that that were having like some issues on, on delivery part and I was like trying to understand okay how can I become effective so how can I make this team uh, work and and then I started to to realize that the best I can do for this team is actually to to help them when they've hit a roadblock. And, and then the more I've been doing that, the more I realized that it was actually the best job. So whenever they encounter an issue that they couldn't move forward, my responsibility as an engineer lead was actually taking that roadblock and removing it from their way. <clears throat> so they don't have to spend a lot of time taking with stakeholders. With something that I could do, so whenever you need to discuss something with another team, okay, your API is not correct, so you need to do these changes, because that was my responsibility as a lead. And that meant that they could keep on the focus, so they could keep on the zone, so they needed to, to get into these fights. And on those situations, I experienced the multiplier effect. So I was actually enabling them to keep going, and I don't have to, to worry about they were delivering or not. But that is that's the part that Oli mentioned. When does it not work? Mm. And I think it's a really cultural thing. I work at Play. We have a lot of nationalities. We have around thirty different nationalities, and I could see that there are different cultures. There are cultures that they are more not willing to ask for help, and that's the part that, as a manager we really need to work hard on those because there are some cultures that are really used. Uh, Scandinavian people, they are really used to, like whenever they hit a roadblock, hey, I have a roadblock, help me out. But there are other cultures that are not so used to ask for help because they see like this is a weakness. And that's those are the people that you have to work on the most to mm. get them, to enable them, ask for help, I'm here for that.
3: Harry? Yeah. Uh... I agree on those things, and also um, obviously seeing different teams, both that works well, uh, and and are so the total is greater than the sum of the parts to say, and and then uh, also teams with great people uh, who are really talented, uh, but uh, it hasn't really worked that well, and I think. Uh, the, one of the big, big things here is the culture that we're talking about, of course. And uh, I don't, I, I don't talk about culture from where you are in the world. I think that can be, uh, you you can enable this with any people. Uh, I've worked in very multicultural places where where I've seen this, and it's uh, the culture of trust is very important, and that people uh, dare to to speak up, that they don't feel that. Uh, afraid of uh, of uh, how would you say like some kind of negative consequences either interpersonal or or career-wise or anything so that's very important and there is a manager uh, or leader as i rather call it is, is uh, quite it's important that the, they are also open and vulnerable and uh, and shows that you can trust me and and uh, and uh, whatever you say will not be used against you so I think that's uh, that's very important. But uh, also what we talked about before, it all ties into the same thing, that if the team is uh, feels uh, that they have ownership, like we talked about, and and uh, feels that they want to improve the product, then that also usually ties in a bit. But uh, yeah, so my, my, my answer uh, is, is that it's the culture and, and a lot of trust uh, should, should be there, yeah.
0: Adrian?
1: Yeah I think like with giving help I think it as a leader a manager or whatever you know as people that we have more experience and we can enable others I think it's a lot about surfing the edge of when do we choose to solve something for them when do we coach them into coming to the solution and when do we mentor them like and that requires a lot of empathy so I think it it helps a lot if we have been at their place, if we have been developers, if we have been stuck, uh, we have asked for help, not asked for help, being in different kinds of teams, because we need to see the problem through their eyes to understand, as you were saying, Juan, why are they not asking for help? Maybe they feel that it's a shame, maybe they feel that they should do it, you know, it's, it's my job, I should know how to do it. Bringing down that shame and it's like, I have been stuck, you know, making showing that Even the probably many times, the most senior people on the team, like, I don't know how to do it. I have to Google that. I have to ask for help to this colleague. Like putting ourselves on the spot and be like, if I need to ask for help, how is it that you're not going to have to ask for help? Of course, we are here to support each other. So they know that there are also these different tools and also something that I sometimes do is I even make it explicit to them and it's like. You know what there's no urgency on getting this fixed there is no urgency on solving this problem why don't you go and try to solve it by yourself and whenever it's urgent also letting them know so they know like also that hey i'm here to back you up i can solve you together with you i think that's when we really make people feel comfortable when they get at the edge and they really feel like okay i can grow here but i'm not going to get burned i'm not going to get uh, like uh, on the spot and it's like in the spotlight oh you failed here so really they feel like they can get support for from uh, from people that, well, from everyone around them. Okay. And I think for us to choose here, just to, because it's also, yeah, it's tricky, how do we choose which ones of the tools in our toolkit do we go for? I think it's so important to not lose um, the big picture, to not lose sight of that. That is something that to really be able to help people multiply their, their effect, that's something that we need to bring them and that's context that we use And again as we are more senior we can you know get to the helicopter view which is the business goal quarterly yearly etc and this is what you need to do in this sprint see how the things connect and choose like in which areas we let them fail in a controlled manner we, yes, we set them for success and it's immediate that's something that we cannot let them choose by themselves because they don't have the context and the vision that we have.
2: have you- Have you ever met like a person who is, um, well, you know, in different teams, there are different levels of seniority. So someone who is very senior, he or she knows everything. And then they are not really interested in helping others, even though there is it's a large team, there are some juniors and they're like, you know what? I already got my thing. How, how do you, how do you get this person to also become more of a coaching or a mentor to other people?
4: It, That's a really
1: good question. <laughs> yeah, I, I think some people might not want to even do that, and they might not be great colleagues, so maybe they just need to be like great problem solvers, but they're not be team builders. But what I usually try to do is build empathy with them, see how their actions are impacting others, and how they're assuming that it's not badly intended, that they are trying to do what is best for the organization, and they are like, teaching others how to do it. That's bullshit, that's a waste of my time. I'm the only one that knows how to solve this. I'm a problem solver, I'm going to be the hero again. Help them see how they are just creating an anti-pattern of making themselves uh, the hero. It's just hurting the team, it's hurting the perspective of letting others grow and that actually helping others grow is just going to elevate the quality of the team, getting more budget for everyone, letting them see a little bit with perspective that That short-term solution that they are picking is not the solution on the long term. That it's it's not a win-lose situation. It's a win-win.
0: Harry, what's your thoughts on this bit? Uh,
3: I'm I'm uh, actually also thinking that uh, like like I said, maybe not everybody can uh, and want to do that. And uh, I don't know is 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 it then uh, necessary to try to force them to do something that they? They don't feel like maybe there is a spot for them uh, in a in a position where they don't have to do that, where they don't have to coach, and and where they can be the problem solver. Um, So that's that's my my thought. Uh, Of course, can coach them and and uh, to to a certain degree, but uh, then uh, at some some place there might be that they it they're not that. That kind of person and, and uh, maybe you cannot form a person to something that they're not. It, it,
0: may, it may be getting more too much into detail, but can you have efficient independent teams when you've got with just independent people? Is that a grenade. <clears> throat> 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 That's a grenade. I chuck a grenade in, see what happens. Yeah, you could just drop it, the grenade, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, I mean, there's different views here discussing, listen, yeah, we sounds like we're okay with it, yeah, let's try and coach them, but ultimately they might not become um, a team player, yeah. Is that okay for achieving an independent, efficient team? Yeah, can we do that? Or is that not an independent, efficient team? I actually think that when you get to a situation that
4: you have somebody that is like we describe, like right? usually have a lot of ego, also related to to that, and um, they sometimes they realize that they don't fit in the organization, and either you fight to get them back and to somehow explain and. That could be that, don't you realize that sometimes you're the bottleneck and you get a lot of things on your plate because we have these dependencies because you are the most knowledgeable. can you just focus on sharing knowledge, helping others? So kind of challenge him in the fact that he is the person or she is the person that is the most knowledgeable about it or the most senior of the company. So trying to to put this person into a situation that the only option they have is, to some extent, do the change, because otherwise they don't fit an organization. And there's something that, as a manager, at some point, we need to understand that companies, they need different people at different stages. And sometimes, as a manager, you have to accept that. You have to let go people. And that's something really bad. And it's as a manager, sometimes you feel like you failed. But you also, as a manager, have the responsibility within the company. So if I don't get people to change, because it's really difficult sometimes when you get those profiles, maybe you need to take the hard decision. And that's the controversial part. That that's what everybody doesn't want to, to, to hear, doesn't want to do. Because as, as Harry said, sometimes you have to move them. You have to put in different positions. But at the end of the day, we work in teams. And one of the key parts is that you know how to work in teams and it could be that at the beginning of the company that person is solving you all the problems but right now it's becoming a bottleneck and that is bad for the company so yeah it's a quite a
0: you lump <laughs> to Robin here now that's, that's, what, I, that's what I'm here for um, okay let's go um, on to Harry yeah um, and Harry's uh, question is around promoting um, a culture of direct communication you know, surrounding this issue. Uh, how do we do it? What are the ways? Uh, so, Harry, I yeah. you. What's the answer? Yes. Uh,
3: yeah, it, it's also related to my comment earlier uh, with, with Oli's question uh, that, that uh, I really think that the teams that, that uh, can strive and can really be good uh, there is the culture of uh, of trust uh, and uh, and also direct feedback, direct communication, uh, where people can uh, say things without having negative consequences on like uh, on the self image and and uh, maybe career wise and and things like that. So yeah, that, that's of course it's it's a challenge to build that kind of culture. And uh, and uh, my question is, do you have any? ways of enabling it or
0: how, how do we how do we do that it's a great question and regardless if we're in the software it sector yeah it's a fantastic question yeah uh communication yeah so let's have a look no nodding heads so let's go for ollie <laughs> <laughs> yep
2: uh yes so i i think about it in okay the simplest one by example so of course of course be that yourself and and uh, make sure that you react well to when someone is disagreeing with you because they are being they're being honest about their opinion so if they disagree with you which one is this one is also the hardest because that that hits you in the you know oh, i'm so smart come on how come they disagree um so of course that comes from us uh but there are there are a lot of there are a lot of tools about that and actually i was reading this book uh written by pixar i should know names better uh and and he was uh, i think it's called incorporated Inc or something um and he was he was using the word name candor like because trust is you know what am i going to be trusting unconditionally well i don't think that's really about our job i want to trust that you are doing the best for the company need the best for the project and that you are doing the best job you can to your to your best ability and then and for example when you're criticizing something and giving direct feedback it's not because i think that you are not smart or you are not good enough i think that this is not going to solve our problem i don't i think that we can do it better i think we can do also this or the other thing so i think it's it's a turning conversation because If we are discussing a project, it's not me against you. It's we are trying to build the best we can. How do we do that? Is this really the best we can do? Is that what we set to do? So to turn it around instead of personal, turn it into a project. We're not discussing who is a better engineer here. We're discussing what is the best case here? Because sometimes the the most beautiful solution takes too long time. We shouldn't do it. We should go with a shortcut. Because we don't even know if this is going to work at all and we need to be able to have that discussion and you know i also would like to build the best the best possible solution but we should just criticize it and say this is too much work we should do the we should do the shortcut or we know that this is going to be a big thing we need to do a good job here because it's a framework with a lot of users something like that you know so, so to turn that not my opinion versus your opinion but a project and i think we also while you were talking i was thinking some of the simple things, like like those retrospectives that we do. What is the reason why at first we write things on a piece of paper, and then you have to present them? That when you in the end happen to disagree with someone, you can't you can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to be talking about this one because it disagrees. You still have to 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 show it already. And I think that also kind of opens up a lot of conversations like this. When if you don't if you don't jump in first and say, oh, this is the solution and this is the only solution and let's just go with it. No, you open up a discussion about what do you guys think is the best idea here and try to pull out all of their ideas and and sort of like it's it's also part of our big part of our job is to make sure that everyone is speaking up yeah. juniors are they being heard and when you and and when you when you build that kind of open communication in the team then then it becomes even easier to then they can see that they can disagree it's really no problem there is there is really nothing wrong with that because well we're just trying to build better software here that's it Mm -hmm.
4: and i think that the one of the most important thing as a managers we can do is that led by example i do ask my uh, direct reports for feedback please can you tell me how i can become a better manager because if I led by example by asking them feedback they will be more open to receive feedback and I think that's that's really important that we can kind of set the culture of, of feedback within companies and and this is something that is really difficult I'm, I would, we shouldn't lie to anybody I mean it is really difficult to get the culture of feedback sent on the company because there's as again there's many different people come from different companies, different backgrounds, and this is not something that is happening on every single company. he has been usually the feedback has been like top down. So I'm your manager, I'm giving you feedback, you don't give me any feedback. The only feedback I'm getting is the one that it, I, it's on top of me. That the fact of challenging that approach, so it's not, no, no, so what I actually really want is to become a better manager, so just give me the feedback. They're basically making people more open to, to receive feedback.
1: Yeah and I mean it's uh, so I mean this is proven like one of the best ways and probably the only one that is really proven to have an effective team is to have uh, an environment of psychological safety so I put it from from the point of view of to have a that should be our goal our main concern as a manager with whatever people that we have culture that there is at the company objective, etc. That should be our goal. So I always keep that in mind because as we are saying, we are the ones that usually are look up to because we are the managers, so we should be the example. So that's something that we should always put ourselves on the spot, be always looking for feedback and always ask for, as you were saying, Juan, what can I do best? What can I improve? How can I serve you? So they see that that exists. We start to roll the ball. That takes a while. London people especially when they are not used to have a say on how things are done and they are only expected to just go and do
0: things adrian are, are yeah. you are you doing that asking for feedback in a group setting is it a one-on-one yeah how, how, how are you doing
1: that i do it constantly because i think repetition is key uh so uh, sometimes people are not going to open up on a on a group session, because they are like, I'm not going to break the ranks here and criticize my manager. What do I want to get fired? <laughs> That's stupid. But still, you know, like bringing up the topic again in the one-on-one, they didn't say anything. Sending them a direct message, giving them time to time to digest it. And also another way that I try to uh, bring to the table so people can also criticize is that I don't tell only decisions. I also share my train of thought. So I explained to them the reasons why I t- took a decision, why it makes sense from my point of view and why I think it's relevant for the, the team and for us and-, and what we should be doing. Why? Because I want them to see that they are not criticizing the person. They can criticize the facts and I might have some facts wrong. I might have overlooked some things. Help me have a more global vision of the problem that we are solving by going against what i'm saying you're not going against me it's just you are enlarging in my scope you are opening my tunnel vision and that's as engineers especially i think that is crucial we need to keep people with the scientific approach of if uh, we got something wrong we uh, we bring we bring that to the table and we reevaluate our decision because we will take different decisions based on different facts and for so, I think that's a, that's a habit. It takes a, a while to create. We need to lead by example. We need to repeat that, and eventually, that gets part of the culture. And they feel like I do have a say when I say things. They actually improve things. Improve. I am listened, and I think also connecting with what you were saying only, like to create a culture of candor, of radical candor, like as the book. I think it was Kim Scott. I think it's very important that we are actually they need to everyone on the team needs to feel that we root for them so when we are giving them feedback it's for their own benefit and for their own growth as a person and and also for the team so they really need to trust us for me i also find because it also works quite well quite well with me so i try to do that also with uh, all my reports i show them not only the instances where there is corrective feedback or you could have done this better or everything. I also point them out. The instances where they have done something right. It's like you amazing. Not as a feedback sandwich, not you know, not like you did this well, but but did this. no. Like when something good happens, I will let you know. When something bad happens, I will also let you know. So that way I also build the report of I observe everything and I try to be fair. So I'm not going to come only with critic to you and I'm only not going to only be praising you. I try to see everything and I'm really rooting for you. So reinforcing the positive behaviors, like really great job, amazing, you had a great impact on your colleagues. And whenever they have the negative impact, also letting them know. And they have also the report that I, I try to be fair, I I, try, I'm, I explain to them why I bring these things to the table. Um.
2: Actually, I'm sorry, I just go ahead.
0: No, no, Ali, you jump in.
2: Uh, I I actually read research about that, that uh, which one is more motivating, negative feedback or positive? So negative feedback is very rare. Like when do you come out of from negative feedback with like, yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. that doesn't really exist. So when you were talking about building on the good things that people have done, that one is a lot more effective to like for example if i don't know somebody's good at testing or something and then you tell them how great they are at finding all of these corner cases links and things like that they're just going to start doing more and more of that it's and and when it's negative it it will it will sting and burn a little bit especially if it's if it's and, a little bit more personal
1: and you defend yourself and everything and
2: yeah
1: also Something that I have seen already in, over the years is that people tend to assume that their virtues are common to everyone. You take your good attributes, you're like, yeah, but that's normal, like yeah. anyone can do this, right? It's easy. So we need to bring them the perspective of, no, it's easy for you and you are a great value to the team and you are amazing on this and this and that, and that has a positive impact on others. So they realize, oh, wow, I actually, okay, okay. You know, like that sense of, mm. I, I do belong here.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna bring um, Harry in, yeah, to finish this up. Yeah. Con- conscious of time, still got another question to <laughs> All go right. Yeah. So, so um,
3: yeah, I, I, I think that when it comes to uh, to building a uh, a team with uh, psychological safety and so on, it's it's uh, much about also when people come with uh, some negative thoughts uh, of perhaps you have a solution that you want to build and and uh, they 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 say that no, okay. We should do like this instead, this is much better, but then their way, uh, they don't get their way anyways. And if they do that time and time again, uh, it might make them stop uh, giving that uh, feedback. But uh, I think it's valuable then to recognize their ideas, even if they might not be taken uh, through. So just uh, recognize that, okay, this was very good that you point this out and uh, maybe these are things we haven't thought of or these are things we thought of, but we have to go this way. So I think it's to recognize and thank people for, for bringing things up, uh, especially if it's difficult for them to do, then, then it's extra important. And then when, when you started to talk about uh, asking for feedback, I, I also re- realized the thing that I, I've uh, started to do actually in my, in my previous job. Uh, because when I have my one one to ones, uh, and I ask people, uh, so do you have any feedback to me? No. Okay. Fine. Thanks. Let's go. Um, so, <laughs> so then it's uh, I, I started to prepare in a way that okay, this uh, now lately I have uh, trying to improve on this and that in my leadership. Mm. Uh, do you have any feedback on this specific thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much easier for for people to give feedback on, on those things then because then you're more specific and just like, do you have anything
0: bad to say about me? Mm. Kind of. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Right. Let's, final question. I think we should put this in the context, Juan, of uh, the conversation we've had today. Simply, what is a successful week as a manager? I yeah, love that's... it. Yeah, I, I think this is,
4: as I, as I said, uh, so it's one of the cultural things. I mean, uh, at Playo, we end the week with something we call outro. And it's like the, the last meeting we have in the week. And that meeting is just about learnings and how we feel. So how are we just going to the weekend? Are we going to the weekend with a lot of worries? Or are we going to the weekend like really happy because we have accomplished a lot during this week? And and one of the things I... So we usually use the, the semaphore lights to to see And then when I'm green. I usually am green when the rest of my teams are really green in the sense that I feel that I succeeded as a manager when all my teams have succeeded. So I haven't put any roadblocks. I have enabled them to do things. I have helped them to take decisions. And they feel like everything that we have talked about during this en- entire session has been working and that's basically what it makes me feel really great as a manager so i can go over the weekend say i'm gonna enjoy and let's see looking forward for next monday what are the challenges of the new week and i think that's yeah that's that's what made me feel great
0: so is is that directed um are you happy when the team's happy or is it more weighted on the accomplishments of the team? Or is it a bit of both I, th- I
4: think it's actually both, because the, let's say the team's happy when they feel they have accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. So, and me as, as, as a manager, so as manager of teams, my, my accomplishment is when the team have accomplished what they want to accomplish, right? So it's gonna it's yeah, so the, the answer is yes. So I feel fulfilled when they have fulfilled all their goals.
0: Perfect. Um, Harry? Yeah, I, I,
3: I think that's a great idea, and I, I'm going to start taking that to, to my team <laughs> as well. I, I love it. Um, and, and then also I can I can be happy when going for full weekend, hopefully. Um, no uh, joking aside. But uh, I think that uh, when, when it comes to... Uh, when, when I feel that the t- week has been good, uh, it's usually, uh, of course, when we have... Been able to deliver something. Uh, th- those are really nice weeks when we have some big uh, deliveries that has, has gone through. But also when it can be just as good when you just have started something big and and uh, and you have everybody uh, feeling like uh, like we will this is something that we will manage to do, and so on. Uh, so I think that that it's, it's that and it's it's pretty much what what you also said when the team uh, is happy. Uh, then 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 that that's good. Um, and just when you have done good things for the team, I think that's uh, that's very important. Adrian,
1: so I, yeah, I fully agree. Like our job as managers is to work for others. Like that's that's. Uh, so we are basically like a like a mirror, you know, like a mirror with many facets, with many like a kaleidoscopic mirror. So basically, our success is seen through the success of people that work with us, and not only people that are only in our teams because usually we tend to have more impact and other teams and we are also helping people that don't report directly to us. So I think for me it's, yeah, a good week is, for me, uh, like it's really about working on the right thing. How do you figure out what is the right thing? Well, whatever is your assignment, uh, however you are delivering value, like, you know, that the, the team is working in the right thing, learning something new. I think that's also our role, putting people on the edge of their skills so they keep on growing because that's where you really feel. Well, it's also kind of proven, right? Happiness is also on the edge of your capabilities. So that's that's our role to push gently push people. Even if they feel a little bit comfortable, they look back. Maybe that week they are not happy, but they look back and it's like, it's so good that you put me to do that. I grew. That's nice, which is also a challenge because as managers, our reward loop, is, um, is delayed. We don't get it when we are putting uh, people to do things. It might take weeks, it might take months. So we just need to get the grid, you know, grind uh, grind teeth and continue because we know that we're working on the right thing. And then looking back, reflecting, it's very important because otherwise we just forget that, hey, this took quite a while to form. And last, but I think it's even the most important one is having fun. Because having, when you're having fun with your team, it's you're in the right, with the right people, you have created meaningful connections. Uh, it's a psychological safe environment when you can love, you can make jokes. You are, you're creating your own memes, your own jokes. That means that that team is engaging with, uh, with each other. That mean that's very healthy. So that's the fact that you have those, uh, those small things is uh, the representation of something good happening at, at the root.
0: Perfect. And then finally, Oli, do you want to finish this off?
2: Yeah, I think I, I think when I, when I read this question, I'm like, oh, this is a hard one. Um I think because because I remember, you know, when you transition from engineer to engineer manager, engineer, you you developed the code, you got a PR out, you sold something, you know, you're it's it's a very short, as Adrian you were saying, the feedback loop is very short. With people, you start something and half a year later you get a result. Like and you know, you start doing things and you're like, I believe that that's the right thing but you have to get going on the I believe that that's the right thing and the things that you are you're doing with the green green yellow red that's very good like short indications but but I think for us I remember it was like only after half a year is one of you also mentioned you look back and then you are like oh it is actually a lot better they did actually become more independent they are more motivated I think they're actually empowered because they can they can complete all this all of this work that we have. So it's it is it's, it's, for me it's really important to kind of to look back even further in half a year and how much have we actually accomplished as a team and then I'm gonna be like okay this this was good half a year I guess uh, but during a week it's it's just so it's just very hard to say as are we going the right direction or not? Uh, like as a team, as a, as a group of people, because it's of of course you know everything starts from individuals. If they are happy, then it's good. But what if they're happy because they're in a comfort zone? You know, they're comfortable, but are they are they growing? Is it is are we getting better? Are we getting are we getting more efficient as a team? So that's where that's where when when I read this question, like we need to go further than 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 one week.
0: Ali, just. To- how do you keep happy then do you uh, do you go right it's friday everyone's finished let me think back three four months ago and then you can be happy how does that kind of manifest in um in your week or how does it work
2: i go running <laughs> Actually, be a joke. when i i often like run from work or, or a bike or something and I and I think through the what we've done are we are we because I, I think this whole leadership thing is very exciting for me. So so I, I read a lot and, and I kinda of reflect on what was happening. Is this is this the right direction? Are we are we getting there? So so the, the running is is a way for me to kinda of meditate and kind of figure what's what's happening, kinda of try to lift up a little bit. And it can be different for different people. It's just the running works for me.
0: Perfect, we are going to finish on that. Thank you to our incredible panel. Really d- good discussion. Um, so thank you for doing that. Um, and yeah, thank you to the listeners who've made it this far. And I'm sure they'll uh, the panel will appreciate you reaching out to them on LinkedIn. If you've got anything um, and we'll make sure we put their, um, the URLs to LinkedIn um, on the advertisement, uh, so thank you.